Well, this morning, I'm going to minister to you on the subject of more than just forgiven. How many of you guys know that when you got saved, you were forgiven for all your sins? Amen. That's good news, right? How many know that it's a lot more to it than that? It's, I mean, it would be good if just our sins were forgiven. Don't get me wrong. That would be a pretty, that's a pretty amazing thing. But God didn't just wipe the slate clean for no reason. He didn't just, that's not where it stops. There's a whole lot more to it than that. Because in Christ, we are, are fear, free from fear. We are free from sickness. We are free from disease. But most importantly, that when you got, the moment that you got saved, when you were forgiven, you were also free from sin. And many of you guys may not have ever heard that, or you don't even understand what the heck I'm talking What does that mean to be free from sin? Because so much we're just taught that, you know, grace, 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 mercy, 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 you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And unfortunately in this world, so many people have taken that as, as being a license to do whatever you want. You know, do whatever you want, God's going to forgive you, it doesn't matter. But, but unfortunately, that's not what God intended for us when we got saved. He had so much more planned and intended for us than that. Because we want to be free from those things. And there's been so many sermons preached on grace and mercy and forgiveness, and that is so important. We have to under, that's the foundation. We have to understand that we are forgiven if we want to move forward. But there's so much more that God wants for us than just to be forgiven. We need to have more preaching, I think, overall, just on being free from sin. And what that means to be free from sin is the fact that you no longer have to do it anymore. Now, I personally believe that we can live our lives without sinning at all. Many people don't believe that, but I believe that we can. Matter of fact, a falling is not inevitable. And we just talked about on Wednesday when, when I asked who, who remembered my favorite verse. Does anybody remember it now? Man, I even... Jude one twenty four. My favorite, it's one of my favorite verses, probably my favorite verse. But it says, Jude 1, 24 through 25, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And I struggled with that at first because I'm like, well, if he's able to keep me from stumbling, why doesn't he go ahead and do it? Because I still stumble from time to time. But then I began to realize that when I would stumble is because I would take my eyes off of God just for a moment. I mean, there's times when temptation is coming at me, and, I'm, and it's almost like I, I, I'm like, in a minute, God, let me just do this thing, and then we'll get back on track in a second. Maybe I'm the only person that's like that, but I, I, that's what happens. Like, I, I don't have a problem hearing God. I have a problem listening. Most of the time. But when I keep my eyes on God, I, you can't sin and be looking at Jesus at the same time. It is impossible. The problem is, is, is just for a moment we avert our eyes, we look away, we turn our back on the truth, the reality of what's been accomplished inside of us. So that's what's going to be the entire focus of this message today is understanding that we are not bound to sin. We don't have to sin. We are completely free from the bondage of sin and death. And we can live our lives without sinning another day in our life. Now, I am also acutely aware that that's not likely. And thank God that when we do fall, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ, right? We have, see, Jesus is still standing in the gap for us. He says, no, 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 Dad, I've already paid for that. 
It's covered. Even if you fall again, it's covered. You are, you are still forgiven of sins that you haven't committed yet. You will be forgiven if you fall. But the truth is, is that sinning for the Christian and living that life that we used to live should be a, a rarity. It shouldn't be normalcy in our lives. Matter of fact, you've probably found that since you've, that since you've been saved, when you do sin, you, almost, you feel uncomfortable. It, it feels a little bit different. Matter of fact, we have to suppress that to continue living in sin if you've been born again. You have to suppress that to continue doing the things that you were doing because in your heart you feel it. And it's not, it's not God telling you, that, that you're a screw-up and that you're messed up and he's trying to make you feel guilty. What it is, is when you got saved, you have a brand new nature inside of you and what you're doing is that conflict with who that you are. It's in, it's in conflict. It's fight. Inside of your body, there's a fight going on because you're trying to do something that it's not it. Amen? And this is foundational to living the life that Christ has called us to live, is living and victory over sin, temptation in our lives. And this is the foundation of living holy. You know, grace is a great thing, but we are called to live holy, to live set apart for Him. And He paid so much for us. He gave, he paid, he gave everything for us. How could we not want to live for Him in return? The price that was paid for us, to just put that on the back burner and ignore it, it's, that's, it's crazy. That's like saying thanks, but no thanks. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 20. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not want, I do, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Have you ever felt like that before? Like you, you, you wanted not to sin, but you just couldn't? That you want to do the right thing like Paul here, but you just couldn't. Has anybody ever read this and went, oh, okay, now I, now I, I get that. Now I understand that. Like this, there's something in me that won't, that won't let me not sin. Have you ever like, read this and like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Did you know he's not talking to Christians? He's not talking about his life after being saved. If you read the rest of this and keep on going, you see he's contrasting a life between being saved and not being saved. And this is what your life is like when you're not saved. Because if you're not saved, you can even agree that you want to live a good life. But it is physically impossible for you to do so if you don't have a new nature inside of you. Paul is not speaking to Christians here. He's speaking to the Jewish community who wanted to serve God, but they were struggling. They, they weren't saved yet. They hadn't received Jesus Christ. They wanted to do the right thing, but they just couldn't. And that was us before we were saved. Matter of fact, I know that was me before I got truly saved because I, I, I had been in and out of salvation for a long time. I'd get saved and I'd backslide and I'd want to do the right thing and I knew that, 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 that this is how I wanted to live but I, I kept failing. I kept messing up over and over and over and over and over and over and over for 20 years. 
I just kept screwing up. I couldn't do it. I, would, I, I, I still remember, and people always laugh when I tell this story, but I would, I would lay in bed at night and just list out my, my sins to God. God, forgive me for this, forgive me for this, forgive me for this. And then I'd feel pretty good. I'd fall asleep. I'd wake up the next day and do all the same things over again. I remember once that when I was in high school, and I, I was sneaking out, you know, obviously I wasn't allowed to, but I, was, I, was, I would smoke. And I remember just laying in bed going, oh, I can't quit the smoke, and I know I shouldn't. I know it's a sin because, because you know, it's, it's against the law for me to smoke. I, I remember thinking, at least when I turn 18, it won't be against the law anymore. It'll be a little bit less bad because I couldn't quit. And it wasn't until God got a hold of my heart that I was finally, when I finally said, you know what, God, I'm just going to give my life to you. And the funny thing is, is I, I quit trying to do all the right things and just spent time in his word. I just spent time reading what he said about me. When I learned that I was victorious, I learned that I was free from sin. And all of a sudden, I just started living who I was when I recognized who I was. But I remember I kept trying to do the right thing, and I, and I failed. And it wasn't until I got saved and said, you know what, God, my life is yours, that I finally began to have victory over these things. Because you can't be victorious over these things without Jesus. Amen? Sometimes as Christians, though, it still feels like this. It still feels like something has, has a hold over us. And we forget that we are dead to sin. And when you're dead to something, that means that there's no more interaction. There's no more authority in your life. When you're dead to something, there's no more connection. You guys are separated. And sin doesn't dwell in us anymore. It's been removed from us. As far as the east is from the west, our sins have been removed from us. And we're righteous in Christ. So how can we still do it? How can we still live and we still sin sometimes? And how come it seems like we want to do the right thing, but we still can't? But it's, our problem is, is that, one, we either don't have a real revelation of what has happened inside of us, either because we haven't been taught, or either because we're not actually spending time on the Word to see what God says about us, or because we just forget. When you, when you just get saved, you have to be taught this stuff. You have to learn about what's going on, and you have to spend time in your Word. That's the best place to learn who you are in Christ, is to see what the Bible says about it, to see what God says you are. You're like, man, I feel like a, a failure, but if you read the Scriptures, you'll find out, no, you're not a failure, you're victorious. But I think forgetting is our biggest culprit. Many of us know this stuff. But it just falls to the back when we get caught up in our daily lives. We get caught up in everything and we just forget. And we slip back into old habits. We slip back into old routines. And that's the problem is we, we forget who we, we are and start slipping back into who we were. In Romans 6, 1 through 4, oh, there was the last bit of that. For I do not know the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Sorry about that. Romans 6, 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
You see, what Paul's dealing with here is somehow people had their, their thinking a little bit messed up, a little bit confused. Because they were thinking, well, if a little bit of grace is good, then a lot, of, a lot of grace must be really good, right? So they're like, if I sin a little bit, a little bit of grace covers that. But if I sin a lot, then a lot of grace is poured out upon me. And they had their thinking messed up. And Paul's like saying, no, that you're getting it all wrong. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. If you're dead to sin, how can you still live in it? It's like causing a car crash so you can be a hero by pulling the person from the wreckage. It doesn't make any sense. But that's where this, this line of thinking was here. Like, well, if I sin more, this, it's even more grace. I'm, I'm letting God even do more good work. Like somehow we're helping God out by sinning. When the truth is, is that he, he freed us, He saved us so that we didn't have to sin anymore. God cleanses us, not so that we continue to live dirty lives, but so that we can live clean. It's not so we can get messed up again, it's so we can continue in cleanliness. How many of you guys have cleaned your kids up right before bed and then went, all right, go play out in the mud now? How many of you guys clean your kids so they can get dirty again? Is that the plan? I'm only cleaning you so you can get dirty again. No, we, we would like them to stay clean especially as they get older. I'm so thankful now that my son has finally learned how to eat because it wasn't too many years ago that every time he ate, there was everywhere all over his face. And we'd have him clean his face, not so that he could get more stuff on it, but I'm sorry, son, you know I love you. But it's true, man. You used to, it's like you took your food and... <laughs> yeah, he got food behind his ear once. How do you do that? Hallelujah. But we don't, we don't clean them up so they, just so they can get dirty again. We, we would love it if they would stay clean. It would be easier. It would be cheaper. The truth is with sin, too. If you would just live your life the way God intended you, it would be easier, and it would be cheaper, that's for sure. But being dead to sin means that it has no influence on our lives. It's my, my favorite example of this is every time I think of the old gangster movies when they say, you're dead to me. And what did that mean? That meant that they had no more influence in the family. They couldn't talk. They were, matter of fact, if they walked in the room and began to speak, the other person wouldn't even acknowledge they were in the room. And that's the idea of being dead to sin is that it has no influence. When, it, when it's chattering in your ear, it shouldn't even have a place where it can get in. You should, there's, there's no hearing it. It's just complete separation from you and it. And the truth is, is that the reason this is the case is because we've been given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. The scripture here says that, you know, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When you became saved, at that moment, you were your old self, that person that was broken, that, 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 that wasn't forgiven, that wasn't free, that was in bondage to sin, died with Jesus at that, at that same time. And then you, were, you died with him, and then you rose again with him. And his, your old life stayed in the grave, and you're given his brand new life inside of you. That's why we do baptism. Baptism is not some magical thing that when you get baptized, you come out all of a sudden clean and free of your sins. It, all it is is an outward representation of this very reality, is that you died with Christ, 
And you were raised up again with him with a brand new life that's not the same as your old one. You're no longer who you used to be. But you're you're a brand new person. And we've all been given a new life, and it's Jesus' life. And if we have Jesus' life inside of us, we've been given his life, Jesus lived without sin. He was tempted just like us. Matter of fact, the scripture says he was tempted in all ways that man is tempted. Not a single person in this room has been tempted in all ways that man has been tempted. But Jesus was tempted in all ways. And he lived without sin. And if it's his life that is in us, that we can walk in the newness of life that is his, then we can live without sin. We can live holy. We can live without falling. And walking in newness of life means that there should be evidence of that transformation taking place. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, there should be a difference. And sometimes for people it's, it's all at once, and sometimes for people it takes a little while. For me it took a little while. It was a slow process. But, but as long as you're moving forward, as long as you're stepping away from that, that old life and, and changes, because the truth is, is that you're going to start feeling uncomfortable. I had friends that were my, my best friends for a long time that I'm, I'm just acquaintances with. Now, we don't dislike each other. We just don't relate anymore. We don't have the same, the same interests. The stuff that they want to do, I don't feel comfortable doing. And the irony is, is that people that aren't saved don't feel comfortable doing the right thing. But there should be evidence. As a matter of fact, we just got done with the book of James, right? That's what he was talking about in James 2, 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? There should be some evidence of a changed life. We should be seeing a difference. And it should always be moving forward. When you get saved, there should be a difference in how you behave. And this is because we do what we are. That's just a simple truth. We do what we are. Out of our innermost being flows the, the, the thoughts, you know, our innermost thoughts. That's what comes out of us. How we live our lives is a result of who we are on the inside. And if you've been changed, if you've been made brand new, you'll begin to see evidence of your life of that because it'll change. And doing the old stuff will make you feel uncomfortable. We have been made righteous. And our actions should reflect that. Amen? In Romans 6, 6 through 11, it says that we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives... He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. You know, your old self, this one right here that was crucified with Christ, that was the one who was enslaved to sin. That was the one who did all that kind of stupid stuff that you, that like I, I think back in my, it's funny because I'll go down, we'll go downtown, sometimes I'll walk downtown, and during the day it doesn't really bother me, but when I walk downtown at night, I feel uncomfortable. And it, and it bugs me, and, and it's because I lived a lot of my life downtown at night before I was saved in my B.C. days. And, 
I'm reminded of that stuff, and it just makes me, I don't like being reminded of that life that I lived back there. I don't like having that bubble up. So I always feel uncomfortable when I'm down there at night. And it usually doesn't take long until I'm like, yeah, we got to leave. Because it just, it just bothers me. I feel uncomfortable. That's who I was. And I don't want anything to do with who I was. Because God had something more for me than, than that life that I used to live. And that life was crucified with Christ. That, that person is dead. The old man is dead and gone. And I don't want him bubbling up to the surface again. Like I said, this is exactly what baptism is a picture of, is us dying with Christ and being raised again in newness of life with Him. And that's good news, that our old man is dead and died with Him because it's replaced with a brand new person. The life of Christ living inside of you. That's one of the greatest revelations that you can have is that it's no longer you who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in you. And because of that, you actually can live the life that he's called you to live. If we would just remember, if we would just... And that's if if you're struggling in an area of your life where you keep slipping back and doing something that you... Get these scriptures, put them on the wall, read them every single day. If you want to have a real revelation of the word of God in your life, you need to read it, spend time in it. Post them everywhere. Same thing. If you're struggling with an area to be, that you need to be healed, put healing scriptures all over. Every, read them every day. And let God speak into your heart. And then he goes on to say, we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. You know, when he tells you that you must consider, that means that's a, a decision that you have to make for yourself. God's not going to decide for you. When you get saved, there's no... Uh, there's no holy puppeteering going on. God's not up in heaven with like a marionette now moving you around. You still have to make these decisions. He says you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. And as a result of that, it has no influence on us. It's like when someone dies, their, their, their debtors are just out of luck. Because that person is dead, they, they can't, the debtor can't collect anymore. Matter of fact, the debt doesn't pass on from generation to generation. That's in our laws right now. If you have a bunch of debt and you die, it doesn't get passed on to your kids. Because it has no, that when you're dead, there's no more interaction. There's no more influence that stuff can have on you. Debt collectors can't collect payment and sin can't collect anything from you either. Because your old person is dead and you're alive in Christ. And we are new and we are free And as such, we should live that way, amen? In Romans 6, 16 through 18, it says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slave to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? You get to pick which one of those you want, who you want to be obedient to. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. You were once slaves of sin, but now you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. You know, we should put as much effort into being a slave of righteousness as we did as being a slave to sin. I mean, when we were slaves to sin, we would do everything to make sure that that could happen in our lives. I remember when I was when I was first met Michelle, and and uh, we weren't always saved, and 
But we, we would go out of our way to make sure that we had babysitters, to make sure that, that, that we had nights off, to make sure that we had money that we could spend so we could go out there and, and spend it on drinks and alcohol and doing all kinds of stupid and being with people that we shouldn't have been. I mean, we went out of our way to make sure that we could do those kinds of things. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you put as much effort into living a holy life, a righteous life, as we did into living an unholy life? If we took and, 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 and set the same time aside, we set the same money aside, we set the same resolve aside to do those things, if we did them for the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of darkness, what kind of lives would we live? Well, how, how, would, how much different would they be if we just, instead of being just as obedient to righteousness as we were, as we were obedient to sin? It should be our goal to be as good a Christian as we were a sinner. And if any of you guys were like me, I was a pretty good sinner. And now my goal is to be just as good at living for God as I was at living for sin, living for the enemy. And when we were slaves to sin, it resulted in only further sinning and lawlessness. Because we were looking for something to fulfill us. We were looking for something to fill that void. We were looking for something to finally make us happy. And the thing about sin is it's so temporary. You can go out for a night and do all kinds of stuff and you feel good for a moment, but usually in the morning you feel like crap. Your head hurts. You regret what you've done many times. Even people that aren't saved regret what they've done many times. Let alone if you're a Christian doing these kind of things. Because we're looking for something to fulfill us, but all those things that we look to fulfill us just leads to more stupid stuff that's unfulfilling. And instead, it's just digging us deeper. But however, we can now present ourselves as a slave of righteousness. For the longest time, I couldn't get my head wrapped around this term, slaves of righteousness. It didn't make any sense. How can you be a slave of righteousness? But the thing is, in order to be a slave, it means that you're submitted, that you have to do whatever the, the thing that you're enslaved to tells you to do. So you can look back in, in history and the, the slaves that lived in this country or any country rather, um, when you were a slave, you did what you were told. You couldn't go anywhere without being told that you could do it. You couldn't, you couldn't eat without being told that you could eat. You couldn't use a restroom without being told that you could use a restroom. And not only that, you had to do whatever your master said no matter how good or bad or ridiculous it was. That's what being a slave is, is being in complete control of something else. It has complete control over your life. And the same thing happened with sin. When we were enslaved to sin, it had complete control over our lives. Everything that we did was at its beck and call. And we were a slave. We couldn't help it. And being a slave to righteousness is just like that. That righteousness dictates everything that we do. That we're compelled to do whatever righteousness says. And righteousness says that you love. Righteousness says that you encourage, that you lift up, and that you live in such a way that God would be glorified in everything that you do. Righteousness is just being right with God. And if you're a slave to righteousness, everything that you do will be right with God. Amen? In Galatians 6, 14 through 15, it says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts 
for anything nor on circumcision, but a new creation. We've been crucified to the world and the world to us. That means that we are dead to it and the world is is dead to us. And I believe that a revelation of this is crucial to understanding that, that we have a newness of life because we're a new creation. And the world is dead to us and, 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 and it, to, it to us, us to it. And if we can finally get a revelation, we can, it's crucial to understand how we can live a life that's not tied to it, where it doesn't have control over us. It would be easy to be overwhelmed and disheartened to learn that we had to live without sinning, being born the way that we are. Matter of fact, that's, that's exactly what the, the Jews lived through, is, is they were, the, the law just pointed out what was wrong, but it didn't actually save us. It didn't allow them to live without sin. All it did was really point out, that's why the law gave sin powers, it, it just pointed out how bad it really was. And think how disheartening that would be to, for God to say this is the standard and to realize that you could never live up to that standard. You would never make it. There's no way you could live that way. That would be incredibly disheartening. But the truth is, is that in his son, that we have been given a brand new life inside, we can finally live up to that standard. And then the best part is, is when we do fail, when we do fall, we have an advocate in him and we're still forgiven. It's not the end of the line. It's not like you mess up and well, there was your chance. But God is still there for us. But we have to remember that, that his son didn't die just so we could be forgiven, but instead that we could live. And this isn't the only scripture. Do you remember on Wednesday night, John, the other scripture that, that John thought might have been my favorite is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, new things have come. See, I saw your eyes go weird there. You're thinking of a different translation, huh? One of them, some of them say you're a new creature. Some say you're a new creation. The point is, is that you're brand new. You're not who you was. We were remade the exact same way that Adam was made. Adam was made without a past. Adam was made without failure. Adam was made without, without any history. No baggage. And when you get born again, that's how you're made too. You're born again with no baggage. You're brand new. You're, Adam was the only human being that was, was an adult that didn't have a past. But when you get born again, you're made just like that. Your past is wiped away. It's done away with. You are brand new. And as a result, you're no longer a sinner. You're no longer broken. You're no longer bound. But you're free to live the life that God has called you to live. That's a great thing to know that you can live the life that God wants you to live. Hallelujah. Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its old practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, that's the problem that we have to reconcile is that if this is all true, if I'm brand new, why do I keep messing up? And I want you to know that your messing up doesn't invalidate what Christ has done inside of you. It's not proof that no, that didn't actually happen. What actually happens is, is that we forget to change clothes. 
That's basically what it is. The scripture says when you get up, put on the new self every day. Sometimes we get up and our eyes are groggy and we're not thinking straight. We just reach in the closet and we grab the old outfit. And we put it on and we forget. That's what this whole image here is. Do not lie to another seeing you put off the, put off the old self with this practice. The image here is that of garments, that of clothing. That it's just a, a suit that you are wearing. Just take that stuff off and get rid of it. Send it to the cleaners. The best bet is to not put it in your closet where you can actually take it out again, accidentally take it out again. So, but you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's continually being renewed. The scripture says to renew your mind daily. We're supposed to do it all the time. It's an ongoing process. And the problem is, is if we stop, it begins to revert back. That's why you should be spending time in your word every single day. So that every day you're reminded of who you are. Spending time in prayer every single day. Speaking to the one who created you and made you brand new. It's kind of like the expression, the clothes make the man. Where I work now, because many of you see when I come on on Wednesday, and if I'm coming from work, I'm dressed a lot different than I was before. i got to wear button-down long-sleeve, button-down shirts, and nice slacks. And, and uh, so far, my son says it looks much better than the uh, polo shirts and slacks before. And I agree. And the interesting thing is, is that I feel different, too. I feel more professional. My, Haley said, you just look more professional. And they say that the, you've heard the expression, the clothes make the man dress like how you want to be. And that's kind of what this is. Dress for success. Get on and put on the new self instead of the old self with its old practices. Amen? And Romans 12.12 also coming along with this, being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. Romans 12.12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is an ongoing process. And it's the knowledge of him who we are in, and Him who keeps us living like the new self that we are. It's, it's our knowledge of Him and what He's accomplished inside of us that, that lets us keep on living that. And if we, if we don't spend that time, it'll, it'll, it's, it's, that, you know, it's true that if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, he says, Do you not know the unrighteous? will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And as, but verse 7, verse 11, sorry, says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul is actually right here dealing with that unfortunate reality of people forgetting who they were. See, most of us read this and immediately we feel condemned. Because some of us can say, I actually do some stuff on that list. And other of us that haven't aren't doing things specifically on that list, we realize it's not about the list, but about the lifestyle. And we go, you know what? There's parts of my life that are kind of falling into that category. And we immediately feel condemned. We immediately feel like we're messing up. We're, and and it's, it's pretty harsh too, because in the end here, it says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a harsh reality. But the problem that Paul is dealing with is, is 
I said, this is who they were. It's not who they are now. That's what he says right here. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Basically what he's saying is, is that, that you guys were this, and now you've been made brand new. But some of you are still acting like this. Knock it off. Quit acting like who you were and act like who you are now. He says, such were some of you. People like this don't inherit the kingdom of God. So quit acting like people like this because this is not who you are anymore. And it's not the, the only place that he says it. In Galatians 5.19-25 through 25, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. We're all innately aware of what God is for and what God is against. That's actually written on our hearts. We understand that thing. And this stuff, which pretty much covers everything, the people that do that don't inherit the kingdom of God. So if you will inherit the kingdom of God, which you will if you are saved, stop doing those things. Quit acting like something that you're not. Instead, act like what you are, which is brand new in Him. And the fruits of that spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. There's a tough one. Self-control. And against such things, there is no law. The point of this scripture, and this scripture is not to point out our failures, but instead to remind us that's not who we are. To remind us that those kind of things aren't fit for people that are made righteous, that are brand new, that are Christian. And we need to start getting away from those things and living the life that God has called us to live. And to do so is the fruit of the Spirit. It's to, to live by the Spirit. And as Christians, we should be living by the because it's the Spirit that gives us life. Romans 6, 11, sorry, Romans 6, 7 through 11 says, For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we also believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. And death no longer has no dominion over it. We just read this not too long ago. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. There's an idea here of keeping step with the Spirit. When we live our lives to be, to be in line with it, and I believe it's in Colossians where it talks about us being in, in step with the Spirit, living our lives with the Spirit, is to, to walk alongside of Him looking like He looks. To, to walk in step with the Spirit. Oh, there it is. It's in Galatians. And let those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. And we, we stay in step with the Spirit, which I actually think is in Colossians. But it talks basically what that means is to do the same thing as the Spirit, to live our lives in, in, in harmony with the Spirit. 
And what I'm always reminded of when I see stuff like this is I, I, I remember my life when I was in the army and we had to march in formation. And to be in step, when we, we called it marching in step. And when we walked together, that means we all stepped forward with the same, the same food. We actually, uh, they, they called that cadence, you know, to the left, to the left, to the left, right, left. You guys ever heard that on TV? Or if you're in the military, you know that. The point was is that we all, to the left, to the left, to the left, right, left. It was just telling us how to walk. So we walked the same. Because many of us weren't smart enough to figure that out. So you had to, to say it. It's like the blonde that had the, the headphones on and they pulled it off. And it's like, breathe in, breathe out. Sorry if you're a blonde. <laughs> but it's, it, was, it, was, it, was the instru- it was instructions to us to, to march in a certain way to stay in step. And when we did so, we all moved as one unit. I was just watching a thing on Facebook the other day. It was, it was a... Uh, 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 so I think it was uh, Japanese school children, but they, uh, the school they went to, they were required to march and step, and they had competitions. And they had all these kids marching and step together and start, stop, they go together. And then, it's, or also you'll see it in a marching band where they, they split off and go in all different directions, but they, they come together and you're like, oh, they're about to hit each other. But they just, as long as they keep marching and step like they're supposed to, they pass through each other in like this amazing harmony. Like, how does that even work? You guys ever seen anything like that with the marching bands? That's what walking in step with the Spirit is like. When we walk in step with Him, then we will be doing what God has called us to do. We're not going to collide with other things. We're not going to collide with ourselves. We're just going to walk in step, walking the way that we're intended to walk. He says that those who belong to Christ, you've been, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I mean that it's, it's dead. Those things are dead. He says that if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let's walk in step with Him. got so much more here and not enough time. We'll keep going. Ephesians 5, 6 through 9. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Did you know that people are going to try to persuade you to do all manner of things? They're going to try, that's where he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. People are going to try to talk you into doing all kinds of dumb, especially if you're just recently a Christian. They're going to be saying, oh, why are you being so stuck up about that? Oh, you don't have to worry about that. And they're going to try to convince you to do all kinds of things. They'll tell you it's fun. Oh, it's not really bad for you. Or if they're kind of, God will forgive you. I've heard that one before. But don't be deceived. Moses was tempted with a life that was other than what God had called for him. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, that's the thing about sin. It's just a temporary fleeting thing. It makes you feel good for a moment, but it doesn't accomplish anything in your life except for death and destruction. And the enemy is going to try to deceive you as well. John eight forty four says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your, your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy is going to try to deceive you and tell you everything's okay as well. He either tries to deceive you and tell you that everything's okay, 
go ahead and do this. And then when you're done, he makes you feel guilty about it and says, wait a minute, now God can't love you because you just did this. See, that's the thing about the devil is he convinces you to do something terrible and then makes you feel bad about it. He condemns you for it. And then sometimes we try to deceive ourselves. You ever tried to talk yourself into doing something you know you shouldn't? Maybe it's just me. But because of the deception, the wrath, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Now, the sons of disobedience is not you. If you've been born again, you're no longer a son of disobedience. You're a child of God. But that's, that's what he's talking about here is the sons of disobedience are, are deceived all the time and, and they're doing all kinds of stuff and they're storing up for themselves wrath in the day of judgment. So we ought not be doing the very same things that are storing up wrath for those who are not saved in the day of judgment. We're not to become partners with sin, to associate with them. It says, therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Lightness and darkness don't mix. That's why when you turn on a light switch, the darkness runs away. They can't coexist together. You can't have a little bit of pockets of dark inside a lit area. That's why you feel uncomfortable when you, when you get around stuff that's not right. Because you can't, there's a difference in you than what's going on. And then we'll go ahead and end here in John 8.36. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, we talked about today about how can we still live in sin? How can we still sin if we've been if we've been forgiven, it's because we forget something as simple as this. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The problem is that so many of us have been stuck in a place for so long that Jesus has come by to the, to the cage of our cell. And He's unlocked the gate. And He's opened the door. But we're so used to being in that cage, we don't get up and leave. It's like the elephant who is tied to a, a small little wooden stake since when it's, a, when it's a, a baby and it knows it can't pull the stake out when it's a baby, but as it gets older, they can still control this elephant with that little wooden stake because its whole life it hasn't been able to pull it out. So even now it's an adult elephant now. It's completely strong enough to pull that little wooden stake out of the ground. As soon as it feels that tension, it remembers, oh, I can't pull the stake out. And it just stays put. They hold elephants down. With these little tiny stakes. It's like the way it works with, with, with dogs and the, the, the electric fence. You guys ever seen the invisible fences for dogs? That's how that works. You take your dog, you put the collar on them, and then you go ahead and you, you put the little posts out there. And whenever they cross that line, they start getting zapped by the collar. And then when they come back in the line, they're no longer zapped. Well, you only have to do that for a little while, and then you can take the whole thing down, and the dog still won't leave the boundaries that you've set up. They don't realize that they've been set free, even if you turn all that stuff off, because they're still afraid to cross the line, because they're going to get shocked. And that's what happens to us. We, f- we forget, or we're so trapped in the things that we're doing that we don't realize that Jesus has came by, and he's, he's unlocked the door. He's, re- he's, he's opened it and said, you're free to come out, but instead we just sit in our cage of our own design. The scripture says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And if you were born again, you have been set free from sin. You've been set free from fear. You've been set free from sickness and disease. 
you are free. So let's be a people who resolve to live free, to not put on the old self again just for a short stint, but instead let's, let's live the life that God has called us to, give, to live. He's done so much more than forgive you, but he's finally given you the ability to live the life that he's called you to live. And you can live without sin. You can live without shame. You can live without guilt. Because he's given you the ability to live in such a way that those things don't even have an opportunity to live, to to enter your life. And I thank God that if we do fall, if we do slip up, that he still loves us. He doesn't think any less of us. You sure as heck didn't shock him. And he's still going to be there for you. But the goal is to keep moving forward and to finally come to a point in our life where we're living completely for him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet.